this is John Gramstrand, and I'm a certified energy specialist for CHS Egg Services in Stephen, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Tyler Donaldson. We'll also hear a report from Whitney Pittman at MinAg Expo in Mankato. Government Accountability Office has completed a report on foreign ownership of farmland. The GAO found the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States does not have regular or timely access to information about foreign farmland ownership. Calls for USDA to develop a better system for monitoring this information and sharing it with relevant agencies. This issue surfaced when the Chinese state-owned company Fufang Group bought land to build a corn processing plant in Grand Forks. The location near the Air Force Base was considered by many to be a security threat. A coalition of 130 members of Congress sought the GAO study. Min Ag Expo will wrap up this afternoon. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman caught up with Minnesota State Ag Committee Chair Eric Putnam on the trade show floor. Right now you are at Min Ag Expo. Tell me what you're hearing from, from people around the, the conference here today. Well, thanks, Whitney. Yeah, I think uh, getting ready for session, this is part of getting ready for session because if we don't hang out with farmers and talk to them, we're not going to do our job right when we actually are in session. So one of the things I really appreciate about um, the Farm Expo is everyone's in the same place. We've been to a lot of farms, been on a lot of tours, but it's kind of convenient for me to have a lot of people all in the same place to visit with lots of people in different areas and different uh, kinds of agriculture in the state of Minnesota. So, you know, people are talking about, um, you know, some of the concerns that they've always had. Everyone just wants to do their job a little bit better. Uh, and so people are looking for help to do better. That's pretty much the baseline. And this morning had a chance to, to talk with corn growers. What were the, the main concerns there? Well, you know, we're talking a little bit about some other ways to empower farmers. And one of those big ways to do that is with right to repair. Uh, that's an issue that both Minnesota Corn and Minnesota Soy and the uh, Farmers Union, a lot of folks are talking about just having the power to take care of their own implements. Um, and uh, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners are aware, there was a carve out for that for ag last session. We're going to revisit that and we're going to talk about that issue a little bit more because it's something that farmers want. And I think that we as legislators need to attend to what farmers want and then find the best way to make it happen. So right to repair, of course, uh, looking forward to, to hearing more on that throughout the session. Other things that you're looking forward to here as that, that February 12th uh, date comes along. Sure. Well, everyone cares about soil and water. So we're going to talk a lot about soil and water. And, you know, I think we're always going to talk about it because we can always do better. Um, you know, there are, there's a fair amount of controversy about water currently, but we have to approach the issue of water thoughtfully. And farmers don't want to pollute. They drink the water, too. That has to be where we start. So trying to find ways to help farmers take care of the land because it's what they want to do already. So how do we help them do what they want to do? Uh, which in this case is to farm in ways that are in the best interest of public health and their own businesses. Um, there's a space to do that. So we're going to be talking about that a fair amount this session too. And here today, have a chance to, to walk around and, and see some of the, the innovations and whatnot. And I'm sure uh, research and things like that as well on, on, as a priority. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's super cool about this, though, is I haven't gotten very far. Uh, you know, I stop at every single booth and I'm there for 20 minutes. So I've only really talked to like three people so far because I had some really great conversations. I was talking about drones with these guys and had a fantastic conversation with a young woman from FFA for a while. So, yeah, I'm going to be here a while, I think, because the conversations are great uh, and each one of them deserves the attention that it should get.
All right. Uh, anything else that you want to touch on or, or highlight here before we let you go? No, I just want to make sure that uh, all your listeners and everyone who's out there knows that we're always open to hearing what you got. Uh, we're pretty easy to find. Um, and uh, my job is to work for everyone who works, for work this, for the strivers, for the farmers, for the people who are doing the best that they can. Um, and so as long as I'm in the Senate, you'll have a friend there. So give me a holler. Let me know what's going on. All right. Well, thank you, Senator Putnam, joining us here on the Red River Farm Network from Mankato. I'm Whitney Pittman. Smaller loan sizes are keeping agricultural lending activity muted, according to the latest Kansas City Federal Reserve Ag Finance Update. According to a survey of Federal Reserve banks, agricultural lending activity slowed at a swift pace over the past year. The number of new loans was higher than a year ago, but the average loan size when adjusted for inflation is the lowest since 2017. The report says farm debt balances grew during the third quarter, with many lenders continuing to report subdued demand for farm loans, while others reporting growing demand. Everag market analyst Jenny Wackershauser says a lack of fresh bullish news has grain traders pressing the short side of the markets. So as we work through um, kind of the tail end of South American growing season, they continue to see um, fairly good spotty showers coming in. So there's less and less question about that um, crop as we progress into early, early um, harvest season for them. On top of that, we have a funds position that is at its largest short position, so they've been sellers in this market. Wackershauser says fund position is a change from previous years. They've flipped that position from what we saw during the last three years where they were perpetually buyers and had a long position. So they've been sellers in this market, and we like to always say you got to feed the bulls daily, and we just have not had much tone to this market lately to get any excitement and get us moving higher. So really a lack of bullish tone just keeps feeding this and keeping us slowly eroding away the prices that we've seen here of late. The weekly report from the Energy Information Administration showing ethanol production for the week ending January 12th at 1.054 million barrels per day. That's down 8,000 barrels per day from the previous week. Ethanol stocks are reported at 25.7 million barrels, up 1.3 million barrels from the previous week. A group, a group of nine House Republicans led by Minnesota Congressman Brad Finstad is asking USDA to quickly open enrollment for the 2024 Dairy Margin Coverage Program. In a letter to Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack and FSA Administrator Zag Deschunet, the lawmakers said dairy farmers are facing a difficult market environment and need the ability to select their DMC coverage level for this year. Reporting agriculture's business for you, this is the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. NDSU Associate Professor and Extension Veterinarian Jerry Stucka participating in today's Feeder Council's Beyond the Bunk workshop in Towner, North Dakota. Yeah, my objective today is to listen to some of the concerns and the questions that they've got regarding health. Some of these guys are buying in calves from the auction market. Some will buy in calves from an auction market that may be a little ways away. So we might get into a 
discussion of how do you handle cattle that, for lack of a better term, don't know one another. We use the term commingling to describe what happens when we do that. So when you put calves together that don't know each other, you add a little stress level, and that's usually what causes some of these what we call respiratory or pneumonia cases to result is when I put groups of cattle together that don't know one another. Proper feeding during colder months is key to providing warmth for cattle and herds. Feeding the cattle, this would be for the cow herd as well, that you're feeding the cattle what they need in order to fuel that little pot-bellied stove they got inside them that we call the rumen that generates energy, that generates heat for them to stay, to stay, stay warm. And if you look at cattle that are in cold weather, if they can get out of the wind and you've provided some bedding, for example, straw bedding, or some kind of layer for them to lay on, they're pretty comfortable. Most of the time you'll see them laying down, chewing their cuts. They're comfortable. Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting President Mike Zuzalo says the wheat complex is trying to bounce off of fresh lows. I think that's because the cash market has developed into a high, very high box beef price, which would suggest we should be at a 175 maybe even a 176.50 cash price at this point in the plain states. And I think the trade's finally getting it at this point. But I'm, I'm nervous about a warmer climate in the uh, southern plains next week, uh, and that may be pulling out some of the weather long. So we'll see how much we can do as far as upside potential in the meantime. Minnesota Pork Producers Association's Director of Public Policy, Sustainability and Strategy, Lauren Servick, says Prop 12 could just be the start of other state-by-state -state production regulations that impact agriculture trade in the U.S. Prop 12 was a bit of the tip of the sphere, if you will, um, related to sow housing, um, veal calves, and laying hens. And we saw it come through California. We've seen some other states start to do similar things, but just slightly different. And so I think it kind of shows the potential kind of patchwork of state regulations that could impact how, say, a Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota farmer um, makes decisions about trying to sell their product into those markets. And so I think that was kind of an example of what can happen. There's a lot of things that could really divide or separate how we how we produce things and unfortunately it's not always at the farmer's decision to to be able to do that. Some producers have made updates to facilities to comply with certain regulations but the economics are tough to make uh, tough to make pencil out and that can be a detriment to animal and an employee welfare. For pig farmers it's a really difficult difficult economic market and it's a significant investment to make for the future and you're hoping that okay today I'm com compliant with Prop 12 and I could sell that pig to California or I'm not. Massachusetts rules are slightly different and are we going to end up with states all having different rules that now I don't have access to different markets and again not because of their own decision but because of different demands and I think it's the, kind of the ultimate capitalist that farmers are if the market demands the product produced a certain way they'll find a way to either access that market or grow um, animals or crops that meet that need um, unfortunately this wasn't a market driver and, and that's having some real implications when it comes to the cost the social and the environmental impacts of things like prop 12. Minnesota's government agencies farm and Environmental groups are responding to a petition to solve nitrate issues in southeastern Minnesota's groundwater. Minnesota Agriculture Commissioner Tom Peterson says nitrates are not just a problem in southeastern Minnesota. Up to St. Cloud, up into that Verndale area, uh, up into Ottertail, and then southwest Minnesota, down, you know, you think of towns like Adrian, uh, down in that area. So it's these are issues we've been working on for a long time. Like I said, the groundwater protection rule I signed in 2019, that was five, five years ago so uh, but we have to respond to the petition right now and that's what we're working on.
Argentine's President Javier Millet has a warning for Western nations while addressing the World Economic Forum in Davos. Millet spoke about the growing risk of socialism and state intervention in the West. The Argentine leader used his own country as an example. He said Argentina was once one of the richest countries in the world due to its farm sector, but more than 40% of its population now lives in uh, poverty. Millet is a libertarian economist who was elected in November. Since taking office, Millet has revoked price controls, reduced regulations, and is trying to privatize state-owned companies. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Nebraska Senator Deb Fisher criticized the Biden administration's use of subsidies for electric vehicles. These comments were made yesterday on the Senate floor. Last week, the Biden administration announced over half a billion dollars in subsidies for electric vehicle or EV charging stations. That half billion follows two billion more that's already been handed out to states. Despite the fact that only 4% of Americans own EVs. This is a common trend for this administration, forcing untested, expensive solutions onto the American people in the name of climate change. Fisher said the administration's plan for mass adoption of EVs over the eight, next eight years is a pipe dream. But there are realistic, practical reforms we can make that would benefit the environment without limiting freedom or harming our economy. One of them is approving the sale of gasoline blends with 15% ethanol or E15. Checking markets before we leave you this noon hour. We're seeing March corn trade nine and a half cents higher. Uh, rather, uh, March Minneapolis wheat nine and a half higher at 689 and three quarters. May is up seven and three quarters at 698 and a quarter. March uh, Kansas City wheat is four and a half higher. And uh, the uh, March corn a penny and three quarter higher, 444. July corn's up three quarters of a penny, 463 and a quarter. March soybeans nine cents higher, 1214 and three quarters. May soybeans seven cents higher, 1225 and a quarter. In Winnipeg, March canola is 410 a metric ton higher at 630.80 Canadian. February live cattle a dollar 62 higher 174.72. April's up a dollar 95 at 177.57. The January feeder cattle 245 higher at 230.87. March up two dollars 70 cents at 232.47. The February lean hogs are down 30 cents at 71.15. April lean hogs. 45 cents higher at 78.42. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 28 points at 37,295. This is the Red River Farm Network.